Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are tuning in in the world. This is uh, your first ATP Weekly hosted by myself, Vanch, uh, as we get closer to the hardcore swing. And today, this week's guest is Srihari, who's a very familiar guest uh, on this channel. But Srihari, how are you today? I'm good, Vanch. How are you? Doing well. Uh, week after Wimbledon, obviously. Uh, so... Yes, we try to process what happened uh, those couple of weeks, especially how it ended. Um, but yeah, we're nearing the hard court season. Just got to get a few more clay court tournaments and one grass court tournament that just got over. You know, get the natural surfaces out of the system, I guess, before we transition back to the hard courts. Um, yeah. So yeah, Hamburg, the draw looks pretty fun. And I mean, play is already underway as we speak. So what do you think of that? Yeah, so I mean, this is the time of the year where everyone is like, we don't understand why we have, you know, all these post-European clay court, uh, yeah, I mean, post-Wimbledon clay court tournaments in Europe. And I guess one of those this week was, um, uh, Hamburg is next week, but this week we had uh, Bastad in Sweden uh, and Stad. So I guess we could start with Bastad because actually this player field was, uh, was quite good in the sense we had Rublev, we had Rude. We had Wasetti and we had Sarundalo, and these are these were the top four seeds. They got to the semifinals, and they're all in the top twenty. And uh, you know, I thought it was a good tournament for all four of them uh, overall. But uh, yeah, what, what what stood out to you in terms of Bastad? Obviously, Rublev winning the title, getting through Zverev, and uh, and then Sarundalo, a really nice uh, tight three setter there, and then. A really good performance in Hamburg, and I mean, really good performance in the final against Rude. Yeah, I was surprised actually. Um, and I watched just the, just parts of the first set. I saw that Rublev was up a break, and then Rude drew level, and then held for five four, saving a couple of break points, and I just stopped watching. So uh, I thought, okay, maybe I, I I thought all the way back to their match in Turin almost a couple of years ago. I think Rublev lost from set in a breakup and also was a breakup in the third set. Yeah. I think that's where, uh, you, you know, you could see a swing in their matchup. I think Rublev was 4-0 up until that point. And of course, last year in Turin was kind of a blowout for Rublev. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought, okay, maybe Rude. I think uh, he's gotten the upper hand in this matchup. But then, you know, Rublev took that opening set and... 
usually would have expected Rublev to just capitulate from such a position. But, you know, he's done a, he's done pretty well this year. Um, a lot of times, so just regroup when things are not going his way. Just keep it collected. Uh, and even that match against Sirundolo, I mean, the first two sets, you know, tie breaks that could have gone both ways, really. And then he uh, pulled it back together and then, you know, finished it off in the third set. So, yeah, I'm pretty impressed with Rublev. And I I read that the second set looks like it was kind of an exhibition show from where he was finding the lines from every uh, corner possible. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty impressive from Rublev. And I think uh, deservingly he's number four now in the race because he's you know, also the only player outside the current top three. There's Alcaraz, namely Alcaraz Djokovic and Medvedev, who has won a big title uh, on tour. And he has also done pretty well at the slams. So... Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, it's uh, pretty positive signs for Rublev. And I think the race for the number four seed at the US Open is heating up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I was impressed with Rublev uh, this week, but also this whole year. I mean, right from Monte Carlo where he won the title. Because I just think he's um, doing two things better. One is his, his mental strength, like you correctly pointed out. Uh, every time he's facing adversity in a big match, he gets broken. Uh, you know, a lot of the times we would see him just beat himself up and just kind of lose his self-belief and capitulate, like you said, really from there. But this 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 year he's been just fighting hard. He's been realizing that there's a long way to go in some of these matches. And if he just keeps his head in it uh, mentally, then, you know, he can give the chance for... He can just remain really, really solid. And he's got, you know, obviously a good weapon with the forehand, but also the backhand seems to be a lot more solid to me as well. He's just covering the ball with it a lot better. He's, you know, he won a lot of those cross-court backhand-to-backhand exchanges with uh, Rude, and it was actually Rude who was having to press on his forehand and trying to get the ball by by Andre because yeah, Andre was just so solid off that wing, and he I think was. that's such a big improvement for him because he's obviously had one of the best forehands, but now um, the backhand, he's comfortable going down the line with it and changing directions uh, yep. at will, and also just better depth and better defending too. I've seen an improvement in his slice. Just uh, in general, he's just thinking more clearly out there. And that comes to the, men- that's because of the, the the mental strength. I think that's where Monte Carlo really helped him uh, just yeah. get that first big title because he'd been in two Masters 1000 finals before, both in 2021, but never gotten yeah. over that hump. And now, now that he managed to do so, I mean, even the two matches that he won this year against Runa, uh, yeah. all, all from losing positions in the, in the final set where you wouldn't have expected him to come through and he came through both of them. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so, I want to date back for Rublev all the way to that match he lost to Tiafo at the US Open, if you will, because yeah, you you kind of see a change from then. Like even those matches he won in Turin against Medvedev and Tsitsipas, down a set in both, and especially against yeah. Medvedev, uh, serve for it was set got broken back. That tiebreaker really should have been his, but then after Medvedev, I don't want to say it, but like scammed the opening set, if you will. He stay, we thought he would just like you know, sort of uh, you know fade away and disappear. You know he had his chances, he didn't take them, and he's just gonna uh, revel in that. But he did not. He still uh, kept suffocating Medvedev. He knew what kind of play style was bothering him. He kept executing that to perfection. And I saw actually some glimpses of that when he played Zverev. You know that serve out wide where like Zverev could do nothing you know, a lot of times, uh, getting aced. He did that really well against Medvedev as well. Uh, so and even against uh, Tsitsipas, you know, from a set down, he uh, so apart from I want to say or maybe I'm missing a few. The match he lost to Sonego 
uh, at RG. Yeah. I can't think of one match where like he yeah, should that, have that's won. a good good one because Ghosty is asking you know why can't Rublev do this at Roland Garros and I actually thought he would this year but he lost right. that surprising match to Sonego yeah. two sets to love up and yeah yeah uh, you know that, that that's the only match I could one. think of where like oh he shouldn't have lost it but yeah every every other match like he's either done well or um, I mean you know to win. There was also, I think, the match against what was it? Uh, it was Greekspor, I think, in Doha, where he was about to oh, lose yeah. and beat him. Uh, yeah. So yeah, quite a few matches that we're seeing, and he's also taking it to the big guys rather than just being an easy match. So we saw that against Novak at Wimbledon, he gave yeah. him a stern fight. Like barring that second set, you you just. Um, you know, even that third set towards the end, he gave uh, Novak quite a bit of a scare. So, yeah, he's taking it to the big guys. And it's not like, you know, when Rublev shows up, it's sort of free pass for any of these top guys anymore, uh, which is uh, good for us to see. Um, yet to play Alcaraz, I'd love to see that matchup, to be very honest. I'd love to see it too, yeah. Uh, they've never played each other. That's like the only matchup where we're kind of missing at yeah. the on the ATP tour at least. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, for Rude, Rude I think... has the firepower to take it to him, really. It's not like, uh, I mean, you can think about Medvedev, how Alcaraz is a horrible matchup for him. But then Rublev, yeah, he has that uh, that brute strength to, you know, keep up with Alcaraz in the rallies. Yeah, Alcaraz is definitely the more creative player and whatnot, but still, it would be really fun to watch. They played once for what it's worth in Abu Dhabi, but I don't put yeah. too much weight on that, really. Because it was an exhibition and Alcaraz was just coming back from... An injury that he suffered towards the end of the season. Right. Uh, so I, I guess let's talk a little bit about Rude, who's you know who got to the final, and obviously this is like kind of a home tournament for him, and he uh, he beat Musetti in the semis, uh, which was which was a decently good win, and then comes up short in the final here. But really, the main takeaway for a lot of people will uh, is it, still always you know the this part of the year, this swing, and you know, playing these tournaments after Wimbledon and uh, racking up those those titles and finals and stuff like that, I guess. The next step is going to be to win one of these big titles. And obviously, he's yeah. come really close. And uh, I mean, in terms of, like, he's played better in the last couple of big finals that he's been in with the US Open and Roland Garros. Just lost to better players, really, in all five of the big finals that he's been in. But I think, I think actually next week, uh, could be an important week for him just to rebound from this loss and uh, yeah. you know try to win his first 500 title in Hamburg. Yeah, and we could get a rematch in the final uh, yeah. with him and Rublev. But yeah, I, has he won a title beating a top 10? I don't think so, right? No, not yet. Actually, this was the first time in a 250 that he beat, uh, mm-hmm. that he faced a top 10 player in the final. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so. actually, all of his top 10 wins have come in you know, his runs to the big semi-finals, finals of all the other big... big yeah, finals. I recall Berrettini in Rome 2020. Um, even Miami beat Zverev. Uh, yeah, RG beat like, Luna. This so yeah, Rona. those were where his uh, sort of biggest wins have come. 2021 yeah. Tsitsipas, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, course. and then of course at the World Tour Finals where he's made semi-finals in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Last year. yeah, semis and finals. So yeah, you don't just get there. Um, but yeah, we would like to see uh, a scenario. It is, in a way, similar to, I guess, I mean, Rublev, to his credit, actually, even when 
you know, he was slowly climbing to the top. He had some of these big scalps. Um, he did, yeah. And he could produce those upsets. I think Rude, he he would like to, like you mentioned, uh, get get a big win at some point. I mean, Rublev, technically, I, I don't know if it's like a big win for him because he's ranked higher than Rublev, but it still means a lot to, you know, be top opposition in some of your titles and your biggest runs. So, um, and yeah, that's kind of the whole discourse around Casper rules that, okay, yeah, he's made three slam finals and, uh, you know, master's final, final at the ATP finals and semis and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's just sometimes it's just been underwhelming or not convincing enough where he's lost to, you know, players who... Yeah, but we don't expect him to beat any of those players. But then that's that's the thing, right? We want to see a matchup where we can say, okay, you know, you know what, he has a chance to win this, uh, you know, this time around. Uh, which I mean, which what better uh, scenario than this? His favorite surface, five hundred, uh, seems like a reasonable enough draw to you know put him as one of the favorites for the title. Even I mean, yeah, goes without saying, he's a top seed. But um, yeah, yeah, the. What that will mean for the U.S. Open series, I don't know because obviously there's a, there's going to be a change in surfaces. But yeah, yeah, I think definitely he has shown improvement. Like each of the last three seasons, this season not done yet, but you know after a very very bad start, he sort of pulled it back with some pretty good results, especially the RG final. So yeah, hopefully we'll see something better from him. Yeah, I guess with that, we sort of already previewed uh, Hamburg for mm-hmm. for this week. But, uh, you know, the top seeds there are obviously Rude, number one seed, and then Rublev, second seed, Musetti, third seed. So very similar feel to what we saw this week. And right. fourth seed is Verev. And I think the the big one is Cernulo and Rublev could play each other in the quarters oh. uh, this time, uh, as opposed to the semis last week, because Cernulo is seeded fifth. So... Um, yeah, uh, and then I think who is the sixth seed? Sixth seed is Echeverry, but he already lost today to Laszlo Gera. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, um, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, we're talking about Rude, and I was surprised he beat Muzedi actually because I think Muzedi beat him uh, in Paris. Yeah, and indoors in Paris Masters. Yeah, so it was it was a good result, I think. But yeah, for sure. Uh, someone is um, asking about Muzedi. Yeah, Muzedi. Musetti is uh, very good on on these type of conditions uh, on yeah. any kind of a clay court, really, um, except mm-hmm. maybe altitude. Yeah, uh, where you know it, it just doesn't help us serve as much. But mm-hmm. uh, he was very inconsistent actually in the very in the first three four months of the year, and then I think he turned it around from uh, Monte Carlo, where yeah. uh, obviously he had the big win over Djokovic, and then he followed it up the next week by making semifinals of Barcelona, and then. You know, had better results, kind of, kind of Rome and Roland Garros, where he just ran into a buzzsaw in Alcaraz in the fourth round. But yeah, of course, last year he also won Hamburg, so maybe this. So this is actually a big tournament for him this year because he's defending those five hundred points in Hamburg. And yeah, uh, yeah, I would say did well to get to the third round of Wimbledon. Hadn't done that before. Uh, yeah. Ran into Hercatch, who was serving like out of his mind in some yeah. points in that match, but. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. As you can see, right here, this tweet from Jose. Mm-hmm. There's also, yeah, uh, you know, Davidovich yeah, Fukina's playing that piece. Yeah, they they did play in Estoril, I think, and Rude beat him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I just don't remember where they played. It was Astral. I mean, if it was Astral, then Root would have beaten him because he won that title. Speaking of uh, some late bloomers that we're seeing on the rise this decade, like Pedro Cachin, or is he yeah, 27 or 28? Him. Won his first title on tour. Yeah, Kashin has been been playing really, really well since last year in, in March. He's just been continuously rising in, uh, in the rankings and at most of the clay court tournaments, especially the ones on altitude. I've yeah. noticed he's, he's he's been really thriving on those. It's His forehand yeah, is one of the, the bigger shots. Time, I think in Madrid, right? Lost to Struff. Yeah, and he took out uh, Sarundolo and Tiafo on the way there. Oh, yeah. So yeah that was yeah, a good result. And actually, before that, in Madrid, he also made the final of a challenger and he lost to Shevchenko in the final. So that was, but that was a big run. He beat some good players there. And I think, uh, yeah, this week uh, against Ramos Vinuas, Ramos Vinuas has won this tournament, I think in 2019, he won this thing. And then last year he got to the semis and just ran into road and lost that one. But mm-hmm. here he was down a set and then he did really well to kind of change the turn the match around that strong backhand into the Ramos Vinuas forehand. He just had a lot more firepower, I think, in the last two sets and served much better and that's where the altitude conditions really, really, I think, help him and the higher bounce. And I think he's just gaining confidence. He was 90. His mm-hmm. ranking was 90 before the start of this week. Now he's in the top 50. So that's breaking new ground right there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's what he's a, he is more of a late bloomer. You're right. Because he's 28 now. Uh, and yeah, I saw Eubanks, Karatsev now, Kachin. You're seeing, seeing yeah. kind of a trend here. Yeah. Although like we've known Eubanks for a while, to be frank. And, uh, Karatsev and Kachin, I mean, for those who don't really follow the challengers, and myself included, not everyone is Damien, right? To like uh, have a close watch in the challenger tour week in, week out. So, uh, yeah, it's actually. He, he beat nice some good names here to get to the final. I mean, like Ghosty is pointing out Fanini, Sonego, Kachmanovic, even Varias, who, who made the second week at Rolling Garros before he lost to Novak. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, speaking of uh, this week, Newport, um, um, the new kid, Michelson, Mickelson, how do you... Yeah, Alex it? Mickelson, he's he, Mickelson. He's, uh, he's the biggest story right now, I would say, because last last week when uh, while Wimbledon was happening, he also won the Chicago Challenger and he took out Kane Nishikori actually along the way. Oh yeah, him. I remember that. So that was, that was a really big result for him and he was, I think, ranked 600. At the start of the year, and now he's inside the top 140, and oh, he's yeah he's he's six foot four. He has a really big game. Uh, he has a pretty big serve. I like his backhand. Backhand he says is his favorite shot, and he's mm-hmm. he drives the ball through it really nicely, and uh, he he likes to come forward to the net, which I always like to see. He has just a more well-rounded game. I think like we're seeing from more of the American men in this yeah. generation, uh, yeah. right from the Tiafo Fritz generation. So I think yeah he's just another young player who actually committed to University of Georgia oh, he uh, did. You know, okay. this year. And I think he's going to reevaluate that decision after this because now he's basically at a level where he can qualify for slams uh, based yeah. on his ranking. And uh, yeah, he ended up getting all the way to the final. He beat some really good names in Newport. He beat, obviously, he took out Mackie McDonald, which I think was the biggest yeah. one. Uh, in, he's known too. Yeah, in, uh, in the quarters. And he beat him very handily. And then he, he beat... Isner in a tie break and 6-4 in the second set and then just ran into a really creative player in Menorino, obviously, who, mm-hmm. yeah, way more experienced on the surface and basically makes a living on grass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Manorino's won all of his titles since 2019, like after he turned, turned 30. Yeah. 
just yeah, yeah talk about the there. Yeah, like you wouldn't I don't know, it's just a very not to say unorthodox, yeah, in a way unorthodox, but you you know it wouldn't I don't know if it make much sense to say, oh, you know, he's sort of aged because it is that kind of game style where he sort of moves the player around and he he has really good hands, good racket skills. Uh we you know, let's not forget he almost took out Federer in Wimbledon yeah. a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, he just slipped, and I think it was what to, at the beginning of the fifth set or towards the end of the four. I think beginning of the fifth set where he slipped yeah. and retired on his birthday, which is really unfortunate. And we saw that he beat Medvedev this year and her dog and Bosch before losing to him in Wimbledon. Um, yeah. so yeah, he is not a player anyone wants to play, really. Um, especially that early on in the tournament. Uh, did he also didn't he also make the final in Mallorca? I think he lost to Eubanks there, right? Yeah, he did. So that's his second two out of the last three tournaments he's made the final. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. You know, he's having some pretty good results. Um he can also play on the hard courts. So Yeah, he won Winston Salem last year. What was that? He won Winston Salem last year, the week before. Yeah, yeah. So that's his other title. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and yeah, those are, I guess, points he'll have to defend before the US Open. Um, but yeah, yeah he, he things are looking pretty good for him. And uh, not sure what his ranking is right now 27. So he's, 27. yeah, back in right. So he's, in a way, I guess, in uh, danger of slipping, losing his seeding spot. But you don't yeah. want to be facing him early on as well in the slam. Yeah. The good thing Nobody for him does. is that his Winston Salem title is the week before the U.S. Open, so by then the seeds will already be out. So ah, he yeah. won't be losing right, those right. points, but he can certainly gain a lot, I think. And uh, like if he wins a couple of matches in those other tournaments, like Washington mm. and the Masters. Yeah, I recall Cincinnati 2018 took a uh, set off Djokovic, but then to be honest, Djokovic yeah. was atrocious that whole tournament. Um, yes. <laughs> You just wonder how that was the moment he won the, you know, the Golden Masters. But yeah, uh, and then I'm just curious to see how Mickelson kind of takes his ATP Tour debut and like how fast the ranks he can, like how high he can actually go because his first ATP event was in Mallorca and he lost to Eubanks there and that loss aged really well because lost seven five in the third and then uh, because of that he just you know, gained gained so much confidence and he won the Chicago Challenger last week he beat. Yeah, yeah, beating Nishikori along the way, and then this week he beats Cressy, he beats Duckworth, he beats McDonald, he beats Isner. So those are like, you know, all really good wins on grass. And then now yeah. he he's going to play in Atlanta, and he faces Cressy again in the first round, and he played Cressy yeah. already in the court. So yeah. interested to see how that goes um, for him, and whether or not he actually goes to college, which I think he he likely won't. <laughs> Mm-hmm. As John is sharing some of the feeds from Blair Henley's, because Blair Henley was actually on site in Newport and she was doing all the interviews. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, we see a lot of Americans uh, break out when they're pretty young. We see Shelton now. We've had yeah. Tiafo and Fritz around for a long time. Uh, Fritz, I think his breakthrough was in Memphis in 2016. I think he lost to Nishikori in the final. So he's been yeah. around since then. Took a set of Federer and when they played in Stuttgart and has been on the rise since and established now over the last couple of years. Um, Tiafo as well, you know, 20, I remember 2016 losing to Isner from two sets up at the US Open. 
and yes. it took a while for him to stabilize himself as well because uh, you know he had a losing record by a fine margin at one point and he was losing or most of his matches he was losing or i should say a, yeah. almost every match that went to a decider he was going to lose or he was losing so yeah since then he steadied the ship quite a bit he has a win rate of just about 50% now he's in the top 10 um so uh Shelton Jack Sock as well i remember him uh, you know showing up as a teenager to 2011 US Open he played Andy Roddick uh and then i i yeah he's as well not as young but uh, we first knew of him when he played Federer yeah um yeah i think uh, you know him and shelton shelton is uh, 2 years older but it would be interesting to see what shelton also does in in terms of because since australia his results have uh stabilized to say quite a bit and he's yeah uh, actually i think we've lost shri hari so let's see where we can get him back uh he's frozen right now Yes, a lot of uh, a lot of success from college tennis lately. I think there's like 14 or 15 players who are in the top 100 and they all had college tennis experience. So it's certainly quite valuable. Um but obviously Mickelson has uh, a big decision to make because he's very close to basically playing in the slams and all the big events. and his game seems polished enough where he can just compete uh, regularly on the tour. Are you see me? Yes, okay, we Shehari is back. Yeah. yeah, I was just talking right. about the Ethan Collins system and how that's been a good uh, stepping stone to Yeah, I heard uh, what you were talking about uh, Shelton. And yeah, well, you know, we I since the AO I remember that match against team and another match against Rude. Frankly, nothing more after. And also, I mean, I should say the match against Fritz at Indian Wells. I think it was upper set. Um, uh, yeah. So Lena is asking me about the about the Mickelson's game. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it's I think it's fairly solid. I like how he comes to the net uh, and loves to finish points up there. He's got a really good backhand that he can just drive through the court. And um, yeah, he doesn't have the highest net clearance. He hits pretty flat actually, uh, especially on on the forehand. Sometimes when he times it, uh, he does. He doesn't clear the net by a big margin. Um, it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of the Opelka forehand, uh, mm-hmm. in the sense like it's yeah, it's yeah, it's very, really flat and barely any spin on it. Yeah, and that's why he's having a lot of success right now on grass. But I wonder if like yeah, I, I mean if I, I wonder if he might actually end up being a little underpowered from the ground if he plays on slower courts. Uh, that's still yet to be seen. But actually, I like how he moves. Uh, he's. He's six foot four, and he's probably he, he might even grow an inch or two because he's still so young. But yeah. uh, but I think that's kind of where the game is going. Um, good movers, big servers. <laughs> that's kind yeah. of been the, the yeah. I mean, uh, I guess with this maybe the last of the crop of players we see who are flat hitters, maybe a bit more creative, play unconventional. Yeah. I, I should say he does have a good mind. When I heard him speak a little bit after these interviews, he does have a good sense of like processing how matches are going and mm-hmm. adjusting his tactics midway through. And he did that. He did that quite well at, at certain points uh, against uh, Cressy. He changed his return position quite a bit. He started getting tipping the ball a lot lower to 
Cressy's feet, so he made it harder for him to serve in volley. He was just anticipating plays a lot better and managed to get two breaks uh, to yeah. win the second and third set. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's pretty good signs at, at least for now. Obviously, the rule book is probably going to be out on him uh, in the next few weeks, and you know he might uh, just sort of uh, level off at some point in the rankings. But we'll see uh, where that leveling off is and how how, how far that happens. But like right now, he's kind of just. Uh, very new on the scene, and this was his second tour event, and he's already he made the final of one, and he lost to the eventual champion in both, yeah, both cases. Uh, so certainly, uh, yeah, he, grass seems to be a very good surface for him, and I would imagine hard courts would be too. So that's it's kind of a wait and see. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, a fast hard court cannot really count him out fully. Uh, yeah. Kind of reminds me, I mean, when you're talking about young Americans, what happened to Emilio Nava since that match he played against Andy? Yeah, he's like, been kind of stuck on the um, on challengers right now. And he's uh, he played a lot of clay court challengers. And he he had a good win against Isner in Miami uh, and taking him out in the first round. Then he lost to Fritz. Uh, and since then, he's just been... I mean, he did manage to win one challenger in Spain. But yeah. it just didn't propel him that high up in the rankings. So I think right now, actually, where is he at in the rankings right now? I think he's around 200. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's unfortunately been stuck there for, for some time. But I feel like his game is good enough that he can break the top 100 in the next mm. year or two. Uh, and then I actually don't I, I don't know how much further beyond that he can go at the minute because he is still a little bit limited off the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's at 177 right now. So, uh, oh, yeah. Wonder if I mean, I guess the only way are the wild cards out yet for US Open? Or? Yeah, and he did. He did manage to win a, a challenger in Italy recently in mm. Modena. Uh, oh, but, okay. But I think uh, yeah, he was by far the best player in that field. And right. That was on clay. So. What is his yeah. best surface? Uh, I would say it's. Uh, I would say at the ATP level, it's been hardcore, and at the Challenger level, it's been clay. Because I think oh, okay. uh, his, uh, he grew up a lot in Spain and trained there at the Sanchez Academy, and mm-hmm. he's, uh, yeah, he because of how uh, heavy he can hit sometimes on his forehand. I think it's. I think it yeah, that's clay, what you heard most. Living in the UAE, you hear that. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, but I actually think yeah he, he because he can slide on both surfaces and he has such good uh, movement, he can translate mm-hmm. it to both. Uh, it's just yeah, he's just not getting that big. He's losing a lot of tight matches right now. But mm-hmm. if he can get into that one twenty one one ten range, then I think uh, yeah he might not be in challenger for a long time. Yeah, what I remember last year was I think. It was after Murray broke in the second set. He just disappeared from the match. I think he won just yeah. one game since. Um, this is kind of uh, sad, but he was pretty fun to watch for as long as we watched him for. Yeah, like like for instance, this year he did have some good wins in the qualifying at RG. He took out the Brody. He took out. Uh, he took out another Frenchman in the top one sixty. Blank Q. Uh, and then he, mm-hmm. he lost in the first round to Carbaez Bayana. Uh, Not a bad loss. But... Yeah, so I think uh, like that was his first time qualifying in a major outside of New York, where he's basically gotten wild cards. 
Oh, here you go. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Scott Barkley, the most Scott Barkley tweet you would ever see. Yes. Uh, I'm just here to remind uh, you that Andy Murray is the greatest. Yes. Yeah. Something along the lines of uh, let um, uh, the fact that Twitter not dying not distract you from the fact that Andy Murray is the greatest to have ever picked up the racket. Something along yeah. that way. But yeah, I guess uh, well, we covered the three tournaments. There were three. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, never usually more than three. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and then this week we have Atlanta. And we have um, Umag and we have Hamburg. Yeah. Atlanta, so it's always strange when you have like a 500 and 250 at the same time. Yeah. We have that again, I think, the week after that because we have Washington and then we have Los Cabos and then we have Kitchburg. Oh, yeah. I think that's a first because, oh, is it? Because last year I remember Washington being after Los, Los Cabos. Yeah. Uh, it, no, I think it was the same week. It so was? I remember Kyrgios and, yeah, Kyrgios won Washington and that same yeah, week. I'm was, then uh, I'm surprised Medvedev didn't play Washington in Los Cabos. I guess he just likes Mexico. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year he just uh, he wanted to go somewhere different. I think mm, <laughs> he likes true. to spread his wealth of titles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the octopus. He is. I mean, win Washington. That's I guess the beginning of. At this rate, is he gonna end up? Is he gonna wind up with every title above five hundred level? Well, is he? Is the question? There is somebody who is literally not gonna allow that to happen. Um, yes. Certain Carlos Alcaraz. So. Uh, right. That's it's insane. I mean, just hope either he's out early or he doesn't play that particular tournament and go somewhere else in the calendar. Um, but yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Just, at the moment, that's just a bad matchup. Is but if he... Beijing, not in the same week as Tokyo. Oh yeah, wait. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I think Alcaraz is going to play Beijing in Basel as well. So I think. Uh, uh, yeah, Beijing, Basel, Washington. Right. If you want to count Montreal. AO Indian Wells. Yeah. If there's another one that I'm missing. Maybe I, Acapulco too, right? Acapulco, yeah, yeah. Of course there's Acapulco. Yeah. Wow, but that's still very less that's still very few tournaments. That's crazy. Yeah. He's, it is. he's really won every kind of crazy. So yeah, what to take take of Medvedev's season? Yeah, well, best part of the season for him coming up. Or the fact that he's won all of the big titles from here to the end of the season and he doesn't repeat titles. <laughs> At some um, point, he has to defend one, right? At some point, yeah. Like at some point. I mean, it took... Yeah. I remember the first one Djokovic defended was Dubai 2010. Um, quite it would a be long... kind of cool if, if, the big th- if the big three of 2023 on the ATP side, you know, each one won big title, including the US Open. Like, yeah. Let's say... Uh, I, I guess, know, yeah. Like, in each one a slam. Yeah. Uh, yeah, each of, of them have won big titles on both surfaces. So, or I should say, one has won on three surfaces, and the other have won on two. Do surfaces. you think Medvedev has a chance versus Alcaraz on hard courts? I don't, unless he fixes the return, unless yeah. he figures out what to do on the return. To be honest, yeah, and it's not just changing the return twice. position during the match. It's something that you need to practice, put in the hours. Um, yeah, and for instance, we saw it work against um, Eubanks when he moved up. Uh, in the fourth set tie break and in the fifth, yeah. uh, but at that point I think Eubanks was also quite gassed and 
He uh, was, and also point. I think the inexperience helped Medvedev a lot, and or I yeah. want to say the golf inexperience helped him a yeah. lot there. Alcaraz versus was, Alcaraz, no, he's, he's yeah. Versus Alcaraz, player. he just serves really hard into the body every time Medvedev tries to move up. Take yeah, he does. So like, he needs to. Which I mean, I hope he does because at this point, like that is the only matchup where we can see as a huge obstacle. We didn't even see Djokovic like that because you would expect, okay, yeah, he can beat Djokovic and he's done that. Yeah. Um, but like this is like the first time I think for Medvedev, maybe aside from Nadal, like this is a huge obstacle. I mean, even Nadal, he's come close to beating him on a few occasions, to be honest. Right. Uh, and he's beaten him once. So. Mm. Yeah. Well. <laughs> probably. But yeah, I, I just hope he does something about it. I mean, we, it would be a, would be great to see like a sort of three way battle with each of them beating the other this season. If yeah. Daniel beats Carlos, that is because the other equations have happened. Um, yeah, for sure. And then we're at an interesting time where it's like, uh, yeah, many many people can be considered number in that fourth spot <laughs> because yeah. you have you know you have Sinner, you have. You have maybe Runa if he gets there. You have you also have Rublev who's up to his ceiling in the last one year, and then you know Sitsipas will see if he's able to find some form again on the hard courts. But yeah, we have Sinner. Am I frozen again or no? You're you're good. Okay, because there yeah, I just went black for a second. Yeah, Sinner, Rublev, uh, Stefan uh, Holger. I I think amongst the four, to be very honest. Uh, I would pick either Rublev or Runa to take it um, more and on the same level of like bankable and on the same level of, yeah, you can pick, well, Rublev is a bit more stable at this moment, but if you were to match up against a pretty big player, you would obviously pick Runa over Rublev just because he has such an yeah. amazing record against uh, top five opposition. Um, I, and I want to see Rune and Alcaraz again. To be honest, that that match was so yes. underwhelming at Wimbledon. Yeah, it was. It was kind of disappointing. Uh, it was, and uh, yeah, Holger again. That that's where he. I would I would put him a tier beneath Alcaraz ahead of Rune. I think. Uh, sorry, ahead of Sinner. I think Rune is at the moment ahead of Sinner. Sinner has a Grand Slam final, yes, but I think I would pick Rune otherwise. To be honest, um, record against top five, top ten. Um, big title. Yeah. So he's like one of those, right? He reminds me a lot of. Uh, he, he's like one of those. The difference between him and Sinner right now, if we just take aside like the technical stuff, and like mm. what they're good and bad on the court, it's like Runa has this will to win at all costs. He's just so hungry. Where like I could see him winning matches like seven six one six seven six one six, because he just yeah. he's like he's just so desperate and he's he squeezes out these wins that you think are just unlikely because he's. Uh, yeah, but he's just so desperate to to get to get it, and he has that self belief, and I think that's where he separates himself yeah. from. Um, yeah, I, from I do think Rublev is more stable at this moment because Rune definitely hot and cold for most part. Yes, Rublev does have consistent results um, and like more smooth matches, if that makes sense. Than Rune, I mean Rune, you see him going the distance or like. There's some spice or the other in almost every single match that he's playing, it seems like. Yeah, he's just um, got to get more efficient and a bit more... Just, efficient. You know, especially in the early rounds, just take care yeah. of business more comfortably. And I still yeah. think the forehand can get a little bit better. Like when he was playing on indoors last year, 
in Paris mm. and those other tournaments. He was just he was just hitting the ball really, really hard and big on the forehand. Sometimes he yeah. gets very passive and he tries to uh, he has he has really good defense and good hands when he's defending, but he sometimes relies he's overly reliant on that too yeah. much. Yeah, um, and his shots are a bit heavier than definitely heavier than Sinner's. Like Sinner, yeah. it's a very flat. In I really like his backhand. His backhand yeah. is very good. Yeah, it's, it is. It's one of the best for sure. Yep. And the serve has gotten way better. So there's obviously a lot to like. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if uh, we can say, well, the serve is better than Alcara because Alcara's may not have perfected the serve yet, but it's worked. Yeah, probably not now because I think Alcara's has improved that uh, a lot. It, yeah, it's seemingly not changed, but done. it's working. So. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cashin has a dog. Yeah. That's right. I, uh, I remember seeing that. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, this thing on the screen. Mm -hmm. If there's a particular style of play that's more conducive to being bageled, mm. yeah, it's pretty rare for a serve bot to get bageled just because of <laughs> probability. Yeah, I mean, for a serve bot or someone who serves well to get bagel, they they just one they need to not be serving well at all, and two like yeah. sort of I mean they they should be some to some extent some kind of casino tennis from the other end of the court, because like when you are getting everything in and where everything's going well for you on the return, then yeah, and obviously like they're serving well enough. Rublev has a good serve. Um, we obviously and, see a lot of bagels when you see someone you know, get pushed to the brink and lose a really tight 7-6 in one hour and 20 minutes. Then there's a bit, of, little bit of a letdown and drop in level and focus. And then Yeah, whether or not you win the set, that's out. kind of going to happen because Djokovic won the second set in Belgrade. Just didn't yeah. have anything after that because he, he, I don't know, he didn't have it in him to have, like, do a fourth consecutive comeback from a set down. Right. Uh, but, yeah, probably, probably Rude needs to... Uh, <laughs> move on from, from getting bageled now because he obviously got bageled in the fifth against Liam Brody and then now he got bageled here. So I didn't uh, think of that. Yeah, he is he did get bageled twice. So um yeah wouldn't matter much. I don't think so. He hates grass. He's yeah. won Bastard. So there. Um, yeah. Has sure. he won Bastard? Yeah he, he did in twenty twenty one. Yeah when Bastard and Gustard were in separate weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to see this rude group live match again in the final of Hamburg and see if anything changes. Yeah, if if like, this year anything to go by what we saw Nori and Alcaraz, like Nori yeah, maybe kind of got cooked in Buenos Aires and um, won in Rio. So, but it is nice when you have a good field because right away you have another top ten matchup, and that's that's a, what we want to see because there's still a lot of matches like we just haven't seen them play that often, and so yep. the more you can get it. Yeah, the better. Like last year, we, we saw Sinner versus Alcaraz right away in the Umag final, right after mm -hmm. they played at Wimbledon. So that's always good. I think it gets more eyes on the smaller events too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. John has a comment about Steph here. Steph never reached. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, actually, I've been agreeing with John Sitsipas for a while. Even before the AO, I would say all the way back to Turin. I remember John and Munch had this sort of, uh, I don't want to say debate, but like, you know, sort of con 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 contrarian views on Sitsipas. Because at that time, 
uh, he was in contention for the number one ranking, year-end number one, which felt so strange considering the kind of 2022 he had overall. Yes, he won Monte Carlo. Yes, he made the semis at AO, but yeah. other than that, you can't, like, yeah, I mean, he, he did well enough at the Masters, like quarter semis. Uh, yeah, but what I would say is that this year it's like a little flipped where he's doing better in the slams but worse in the other tournaments. Yeah, exactly. Last year he's he doing, was, yeah, well, the yeah. second week in all slams so far. But, but uh, I mean, again, still he did well in some. Like, Romy made the yeah, semis. I would say considering the expectations we had, though, the grass courts, the Wimbledon was, was actually good because to, was to be good. a team and worry and then... Yeah, you know, because he when he lost he Mallorca, it was like, concerning because, yeah. well... There was no other top ten player. You lose in the opening yeah. round. I, I still Half think uh, if he somehow got to the semifinals, I still think you know Alcaraz would have would have just beaten him very easily. But yeah, nevertheless, yeah, yeah it, it would have been cool to see him and Medvedev play each other in the. Uh, yeah, the it's only, really funny how the only slam they've not played at. Because now you could look back and you could say, man, what if Eubanks had played Alcaraz? It would have certainly, yeah. it would have certainly been. You know, maybe a little bit of a tighter match, just based on more competitive. I yeah. it may pain me, but I have no problem admitting that. Um, yeah, but yeah, honestly. But yeah, I think we got through all the big events in in thirty minutes, and then now we got to answer a lot of the comments. So I think that's that's really good. Um, yeah, thanks, Jake. I think it's the haircut. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course, this week we also had UTS, and we had. Uh, had Huffman what is the point of that tournament? I, I really did not um, care to invest that much in those those events. I did see that Alcaraz was uh, was winning his matches against Goffin and uh, someone like, someone else. UTS sort of seems like I don't know top trumps or Uno of tennis for me. Just like the whole convention uh, just feels odd. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was entertaining if you were in the crowd watching and you got to see a lot of cool trick shots and all that, but just, yeah, uh, I usually prefer not to mess with the tennis scoring system. That's what I would yeah, say. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So, But anyways, um, yeah, I, I think it's good for just an exhibition, but an exhibition only. Great for so, outreach. I mean, at least that way people get to know of these players. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was cool that it was in LA because, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... We don't have any actual tennis event there anymore. We used to have, we used to have an ATP event, now we don't there. Yeah. So that's bringing it to a different yeah, part of the world. But anyways, uh, thanks for thanks as always for coming on, Trihari. This was this was quite good. A lot of fun. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Um, not done too many shows like this for talking tennis, but yeah, I look forward to doing more. And yeah, yeah, see you sure. Soon. And we'll be back with more. And be, be sure to tune in to Nick's uh, WTA Weekly this week uh, as well. And uh, yeah, just keep your notifications on for anything else that's on. Yeah, the you're gonna hear John say that. If you like this yeah. video, make yeah. sure you hit that <laughs> like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification. But yeah, he's gonna do that. Awesome. Yeah. So now we have Shrihari who can also impersonate. <laughs> So, yeah, well, yeah, I can sure never a... emulate John there. Sorry. But... You're running joke. But yeah, if you're ready, John, okay. uh, that's it. We've yep. wrapped it all up. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.